Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Piki mai kake mai and welcome from Radio New Zealand National. Here's our changing world. While I don't know how many neutrinos have passed through them, there have definitely been invertebrates of different types passing through Lincoln University's bug hotels. We featured these small, colourful insect dwellings on the programme a year ago when they were first installed, and we thought it was about time to find out who's in residence. So I'm off to join entomologists Nathan Curtis and Rob Crookshank on a bit of a demolition job. So bug hotels take two. Only yes. this time we're actually going to see what's living inside them because last time we did a tour of the bug hotels, Rob, we were just looking from the outside trying to guess what might be in them. That's right. I guess they were still fairly new at that time, but they've been here for over a year now and uh, we'd like to know if there's anything living inside them. So we'll be looking for insects or evidence that insects have been there, so other things they might have left behind like um, feces or eggs or cast exoskeletons or anything like that. And we've got someone else with us today. Do you want to introduce yourself? I'm Nathan Curtis. I work in the ecology department at Lincoln. We call them insect hotels, but we're obviously looking for any little invertebrates, um, earwigs, things like that, slaters, all sorts of things that might be helping the environment and getting some shelter from them. Insect hotel number one, this is where we started last time, but it's changed a bit around here, Rob. It has. It's changed quite a lot, in fact, because lots of trees have been chopped down in this area since the last time we were here. And um, so now, although this used to be uh, completely surrounded by trees in a, in a little bit of bush, it's now uh, attached to a lonely tree all out on its own. So this is going to be some destructive sampling? It is. What we'll do is we'll pull everything out of there onto a, onto a white plastic tray and then we'll rifle through it. I've got some things here which we call pooters. So a pooter is a device for collecting small insects. It essentially consists of a, 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 a clear plastic cylindrical vial with two um, tubes going into it. And so what you do is you suck on one tube and put the other tube where a small insect is and that will suck the insect into the vial but not into your mouth because there's a little bit of mesh over the tube that you suck on. So you need to make sure you suck on the right end of the pooter. So that's called a pooter or an aspirator. And we use that a lot for, it's, a, it's an easy way to quickly pick up lots of small insects. So what we'll do is we'll empty the bug hotel onto this tray and then we'll carefully examine all the bits and suck up any insects that we find. So this one looks like it's been rifled through a little bit. What we found is that some of the bug hotels have a mesh on them that keeps all of the material in and this one doesn't and some of the, some of the others don't and those that don't a lot of that stuff spilled out and that's what seems to have happened here so I think putting the mesh over looks like it's a it's actually quite an important thing to keep everything in so what we'll do is we'll just pull out the stuff from each level of this this is a multi-level so we're starting this with the is, penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just a jumble of Rock, sticks pot, and pine cones. Pine cones bits of cardboard. And that's all sitting inside a mm. yellow plastic box. Yes. Yeah. And the colour was quite deliberate, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was in this circumstance. Um, they've been 
various research and surveys that show that certainly some types of insects are attracted towards yellow things um, and white things in occasions as well. Oh, I see a spider running around. They don't usually poot up spiders because they tend to gum up the works with their silk. But um, I've got some vials in my bag. We could pop that in. I'm interested in spiders because um, I know that you talked to Corvink a while ago and he was saying about how the, the spiders around um, dwellings tend to be exotic species and the ones in the bush tend to be more native species. And I think what we'd really like to discover is whether we're getting native species of spiders in these hotels because if all we're really doing is just giving them a bit more uh, inhabited type space for exotic spiders then it's not really that useful but if we're providing habitat for native species then that's actually something that we'd like to do. It's quite good to get bits of material that have got full of holes and things to provide shelter for these insects and creepy crawlies. They like to tuck themselves away especially when it comes to winter and the cold months and the wet months. Giving those pine cones a good shake. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the thing, of course. I mean, if it's working properly, the, the, the things are actually hiding inside these um, bits and pieces, and so would be reluctant to come out anyway. Oh, there's another spider for you. Oh, another good spot. Well done. I think this is one of those games, the more eyes there are, the better. Absolutely, yeah, yes. So some of these hotels have bamboo or pieces of wood with holes drilled in them and things like that, and we want to check to see if anything has occupied those holes. Often insects might actually cover them over if they've laid an egg or something in there or they might be hiding in there which is um, not always easy to figure out. So down the bottom of there I think I detect something I don't think it's a whole insect I think it might be the cast skin of some sort of something that's crawled in there I might take that back and saw it open or something What about in your layers of cardboard? Yeah, now that's, that's right. So lots of insects are what we call thigmotactic. They like to crawl into narrow spaces between things and, and feel their body pressed up against um, the side of the place that they're hiding away. Right. So it's worth pulling these things apart just to look inside. But that one's drawn a blank. So this next layer has a slightly different construction. It's got these cardboard tubes that have been filled with various things like bamboo, leaves, I'm not even sure entirely what's gone into some of these, something. that looks like egg box, now that is something, but what sort of something is it? So it looks it's like, an it's an X something, definitely no longer with us, but it looks like some sort of weevil. Pushing all the material out of the cardboard tubes. So we've got, looks like, got two different types of sort of spidery egg um, cases. So they've really made their home in there, laid their eggs, and then different type of spiders chosen to do it on the outside of the cardboard tube. Yeah, eggs that I think have hatched because there are little holes in the tops of them. So that was a, a success as far as that spider was concerned. Well, there's a slightly mm. bigger oh. spider, which is different to the ones we've caught so far. So it's about... 6-1 to the spiders at the moment. Definitely. Spiders versus insects. What you'll find is if you, if you took this back to the lab and had a good look at it under a microscope, there probably is stuff in there. It's often so small, you just can't see it. So what we could do is put some of this material 
into a thing called the Tolgren funnel, which is essentially just a funnel that has a light bulb above it, and the light heats up the material, and the insects don't like the light and the heat, so they, they burrow down into it and they fall down through the bottom of the funnel. And that's a good way of, of getting some of the smaller things that you might not otherwise see. See, there's a, there's a spider. The, the other thing they do is so if, you, if you disturb their home and stress them, they'll keep still. So you sometimes have to wait three or four minutes, if not longer, for them mm. to sort of recover their composure and start moving about, which is exactly what you want, which is what you then see them. Because even if, as we've stood here, there's another spider. That's right, yes. It's a, it thought the coast was clear. Little did it know. Mm. So, should, should we, we have go a and look? Check another yeah, one? Let's look at another, another, yes. another one. Another question you can ask is if a pile of logs and leaves are just as good for the insects as a bug hotel, why do you make bug hotels? And I think the answer to that is that the bug hotels aren't just there for the insects, but they're there for people as well. Yes. To draw people in and um, give them something to look at that helps them to think about the value of biodiversity and things like that. So I think the human values and the landscape values of enhancing insects around the place for people to see are just as important, actually. So if you remember last time, it was actually over here. Where a massive amount of earthworks has taken place, at least it got moved. Well, it looks like whoever's dug up the ground here at least uh, picked up the hotel and put it over here out of the way. So they didn't just get rid of it, which is, which is good for us. So we could start by looking in the bottom bit, which is now no longer dug into the ground. Well, there we go. There's something rather nice. A little snail. Oh, yes. I mean, the spiders, again, making their home in, in the holes in the wood. It's rotting away, that it is. subterranean bit. It is, isn't it? So we did have a discussion with the landscape architecture students about what materials to build the hotels from. And um, some of them decided that they'd like to build them out of things like wood, which would eventually fall apart, because then you get a kind of ecological succession of different kinds of insects and creatures moving in at different stages of the decomposition of the wood. So some of these things were not designed to stay here forever but to gradually fall apart, but hopefully to do that in, in a fairly attractive sort of way so that people could see that process as they walk past the hotel every day, they could see this developing. And I think this, whether this was intended or not for this hotel, this is something that's happened here, which is all very good for the bugs. And of course you get different things living in wood that's at different stages of rotting down. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a seed, which is a classic example of a, a bit of botany masquerading as a bit of animal life. That's now the little spider. Of course a lot of these little spiders are probably young spiders, because spiders grow by shedding their skins and creating a larger skin as they get bigger. Whereas many insects, if you find a small insect, it's just a small fully grown adult, it won't get any bigger, which um, means the spiders can be quite hard to identify sometimes because they're just young versions of the, of the adult. We really don't know how, how long we should expect to have to leave a hotel like this before it becomes full of insects because there's been so little monitoring 
and checking and pulling apart of insect hotels because of course once you've gone to the effort of making one of these things the last thing you want to do is pull it apart again so that's why we'll leave some of them and check them maybe again next year or the year after they survive that long. One tiny spider, sir. Yeah. Oh, is that a Ooh, yes. One? Slightly larger spider in there to give you a little surprise. So there's, um, there's a dead ear wig. So do you rate that bug hotel as a success? I rate it as a partial success, particularly given the fact that it's been moved. It fell mm. over, it was then moved and yet it still has plenty of things living in it. Most of those things are quite small. It's difficult for us to be sure what some of them are right now. Uh, there are a lot more spiders than insects. But nevertheless, I think that it's having some positive benefit to the biodiversity around here and there will be creatures crawling out of it and occupying this, these spaces around. So I think it's a, yeah. a small success. Now this is quite a low-tech way of encouraging biodiversity, but I get the impression that you're considering a bit more of a high-tech future for ways of monitoring invertebrate diversity? Yes, that's right. As you've seen today, it's actually quite difficult to tell what's living in these things. And so we've got some ideas about using electronic devices to monitor these things. So we have a student here who has built a device for assessing insect activity. And we want to build some of those into some of these bug hotels and the way that works is it has a little beam inside it and a creature will crawl across it break the beam and that gets recorded on a little sd card in and that happens in real time so we can get an idea of what's happening through a day or a week or even over months and years in real time and other people uh, have used small microphones attached to trees so that they can detect wood boring insects inside the trees so we'd like to attach some of those microphones to some of our bug hotels to get another idea about how bugs are using them what they're doing inside there and i think we, we, we keep saying entomology and insect hotels i think ultimately these are also designed to protect all wildlife and certainly in europe where they have more native mammals and even in new zealand when you've got um geckos and skinks and things they find these just as useful for shelter um and there's you know, they're very good for those too. They, they shelter in them. So it's not just insects that will be using these. And of course the knock-on effects of increasing insect abundance is that birds that in eat insects and other creatures um, will hopefully increase in abundance as well. So it's a benefit to the whole ecological community of the campus. Now Rob and Nathan want to know whether the spiders are native or introduced species. So I'm taking them to Corvink at Canterbury Museum. So I've just delivered these little pottles of spiders to spider expert core at the museum who's popping them under the microscope because they're quite small. Right, so the ones from the second hotel, we have a sub-adult male Areophora pustulosa and it's called pustulosa because it has five pustules on its abdomen. It's a New Zealand native but it's originally from Australia. This spider has ballooned here on its own. Um, it's even found on some of the sub-Antarctic islands and Chatham Island. So is it quite a common species? Its uh, common name is the garden orbweb spider, so you find it in gardens. It's the thing that builds the orbwebs around your houses and around gardens and at bush edges um, all, all over New Zealand. This other one is the Australian ground spider. That's probably introduced by people, first found in New Zealand in the 1940s, I think up in the North Island, I can't remember where exactly. They've just been revised, and its scientific name was Sapunapicta, which rolled off the tongue really nicely. Sapunapicta is beautifully, but what is it now? 
Now it's not so nice. Now it's Nissus colorippes. So that's a, another quite common species? Very common. You find it in and around houses, um, running around. They don't build a web and they hunt on the hoof. Um, and also, more disturbing, you find them in riverbeds and on beaches, so in semi-natural habitats where they're possibly munching on our native invertebrates. Most spiders you find around human habitation are introduced spiders. So, so we have about 2,000 estimated spiders in New Zealand, species of spiders, um, and about 70 are introduced, and most of those 70 are in human-modified habitats. I think the hope of the bug hotels was that they would be good for native biodiversity, but so far we've got one native and one introduced. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so this sample, there are many more natural and um, native and endemic species. Two little jumping spiders, but they are sub-adult or juvenile, so we can't tell what they are because they lack the genitalia which you need to identify them. Um, and also, jumping spiders are problematic in that um, we have an estimated 200 species in New Zealand and only 50 are described and of those 50 you would be able to recognise maybe a dozen based on descriptions. So, um, so it's a group that's not well known in New Zealand despite them being, um, you know, they've got big eyes, they hunt, they hunt during the daytime um, so you'd think that we'd have a better handle on them but they're, they're actually very difficult taxonomically because they've got big eyes. They seem to do all their courtship through um, visual activities. And so their genitalia is very simple, so it's very hard to tell them one species from the other. So two unidentifiable jumping spiders? Yep. Um, now what else have we got? We have two native, so these are Australian in origin, um, two native cobweb spiders. Um, it's a, uh, a thing called... Cryptochia verruculata, which is, is something you find at the bush edge as well as in, in and around houses. A place I find them a lot around home is under the lid of my compost heap. Um, we also have another Theridaid, which looks like a thing called Epicinus. I'm not sure what species. Um, I can see that it's mature, so if I, if I spend some time and get some literature out, I can figure out what that is, hopefully. And then we also have a crab spider, it's city mallow, which is the square-ended crab spider. And then the final spider in here is Scotophaeus pretiosus, which is a nephosid. We have a number of endemic nephosids, but this one we don't actually know the status of it. It's, it's likely to be introduced because there are, there's nothing like it in New Zealand, and its closest relatives are up in the northern hemisphere. But it's not been found, this species has not been found anywhere else in the world. And again, this is a spider that doesn't um, build a web, it hunts on the hoof. So we have some web-building spiders in there. We did see a few little bits of web yep. in the insect hotel. The or the spider hotel, I yeah, think the they should actually hotel. be renamed, yeah. Yeah. since there were predominantly spiders living in there. Oh, that's good to hear. That was spider expert Corvink from Canterbury Museum, with a tally of two endemic, two native, one introduced and three indeterminate spider species, using the bug, a.k.a. spider hotels. You also heard Rob Cruikshank and fellow Lincoln University entomologist Nathan Curtis. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radionz.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kakite anō.